0: You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. ughd HD2 Northport in W265CG Tuscaloosa. A Town Square media station. What man to beat. You could forget about it. Touchdown, Alabama. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: I'm going to put this bottle down I guess as time goes on I'll grow to miss it Less than I will now
2: And I think I'm going to tell her That I'm going to go away for a while Till I can get this deal
3: 11 a.m. on a gorgeous Wednesday morning in Tuscaloosa. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Only a couple weekends left until the Easter holiday so get by there today get that Easter basket to a five-star status with the champions of chocolate Peter Brook chocolatier joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports Jacob Harrison who together we combine to form the sixty minute woo of sports talk radio Jacob how you doing on this
2: Wednesday I'm still recovering from, from the overflow of Pro Day news that, that I had through <laughs> yesterday. It was so exciting, and, and we didn't even get, you
4: know, three or four of the best players on the field. But nonetheless, I mean, just an exciting day overall yesterday.
3: Yeah, I can just envision. Envision Jacob, you know, just kind of in a whirlpool, you know, bathing in that Pro Day information, just a wash in that Pro Day. And you're right, we still didn't get a look at really – as you said, a couple of three first-round types from the Alabama contingent for the 2021 NFL draft. But by all accounts, a good day for pretty much everyone involved. Some folks like Deontay Brown weighed what they needed to weigh. Mac Jones threw the ball pretty well, I would say. Uh, and then we've still got more to learn. I guess it's next next Tuesday. We got another pro day. At UA. So that'll be sort of, you'll have private workouts too. I guess they're still doing private workouts this year, even with the COVID protocols. But I'm going to guess if you had NFL executives and coaches over at UA in the Hank Chris Bendor facility yesterday, uh, that'll be the case again next week. And then perhaps for some private workouts as well. You can check in with us, by the way, if you'd like to at 205 342 nine nine zero four some big news from alabama football first rumblings of this came from the athletic yesterday and aaron Suttles, and then made official this morning jay graham jay we hardly knew you jay graham out as alabama's tight ends and special teams coach after what a month two months on the job that's it for jay graham he is resigned effective immediately so uh We'll hear from Nick Saban coming up later this evening after today's practice. Nick usually post-practice around 6 p.m. Central. So there will be a lot of interest in those comments at that time. And you think of Jay Graham and here recently where the NCAA is concerned, there's been some connection of dots. We don't know if this has anything to do with that. Uh, He was a part of that Tennessee staff last year that had a couple of assistant coaches fired with cause. Jay Graham was not among those coaches, should be noted. He did serve a six-month show cause while at Texas A&M prior to Tennessee. But again, we have no no reason right now to firmly believe that any of this is related to NCAA issues. And you know what? Sometimes it comes down to good old staff chemistry, right? Look at what Alabama's done on the offensive side of the ball with that re, re, revamp. New coordinator, New tight ends, new running backs, new offensive line. You don't know until you get all these guys together in a room on a daily basis and get them on the practice field together. Sometimes that can be a part of this. We'll know more for sure from Nick Saban, again, coming up later this evening. We have a lot of hoops to get into as well today on the program. We've got Cecil Hurt coming up at 11.15. We'll do that with Cecil. We'll get into some Pro Day later in the program, Chase Goodbread, my good neighbor of NFL.com. Chase is going to jump on with us. He was uh, very much involved in the coverage of Pro Day yesterday where Alabama is concerned. So we'll get Chase's thoughts, his reacts, as they like to say in the business, from Pro Day over at UA on Tuesday. How about that? 205-342-9904 this is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. Coming up at the top of the hour, you're going to have the Alabama women's basketball team taking on Maryland. Second round action. The Maryland Terrapins averaging 91.5 points per game. So, to all the clowns who say, well, women's basketball, man, it just doesn't do anything for me, man, you know. Well, Maryland is averaging 91.5 per game. That's what Alabama has in front of it coming up at noon on ESPN 2. Crimson Tide, obviously, a big underdog to the second-seeded Terps uh, because when you look at what Alabama likes to do, Alabama made 11 threes in that first-round win over North Carolina. Well, Maryland shoots the three at a near 41% clip and shoots, uh, makes 16 free throws a game, assists per game, 20. 20 assists per game? That's crazy. But you'll have that at the top of the hour. And then, of course, coming up on Sunday – We're going to have the Alabama men taking on UCLA, 615 Central on Sunday evening on TBS. The ticket man, the ticket man is showing, he's showing no compassion, I don't think. You know, I don't think he's, he's really trying to help Alabama fans get to this game. Already restricted attendance in an arena that sits 9,000 when at full capacity, upper 400s for a ticket right now. Get in price on the stub hub for Alabama UCLA on Sunday evening. Uh, stylistically, uh you know, UCLA somewhat similar to Maryland, except except the big difference to me being that UCLA has a true point guard in Tiger Campbell. Five eleven redshirt sophomore from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. He had four assists in UCLA's round two win over Abilene Christian, and he averages over five assists per game. So they have more of a facilitator. It was by committee for Maryland. So you will have a central figure on the ball for UCLA. And then you've got some guys that have some size at the off guard, at the wing, like Johnny Juzang. You know, all five starters for UCLA average double digits scoring per game. And Juzang is a Kentucky transfer, as you might recall. He was a top 30 guy. Coming out in the class of 2019, he actually played in 28 games for Kentucky a year ago. So uh, some interesting matchups once again. you got to give Mick Cronin, head coach for UCLA, a lot of credit. UCLA lost arguably one of its top two players, if not its top player in Chris Smith, to an ACL injury back in early January. And he was averaging 12.5 and 6.5 rebounds per game at the time of his injury. And here are, the, here are the Bruins. You know, had to win a first four game just to make the main draw. And that's not an easy job at UCLA. Mick Cronin left the comfort of his alma mater at Cincinnati, which John Brannan, former Alabama assistant, is very thankful he did because John uh, went right into that Cincinnati job behind Mick Cronin. Cronin leaves his hometown, his hometown job, his alma mater, for a UCLA job that, frankly, had been deemed largely toxic here in the last few years, if not beyond the last few years, really post-Wooden. It's been sort of the the Alabama conundrum post-Bryant. You know, there's been some flashes. You know, there's been a national championship but uh, or two, but it hasn't been easy post-John Wooden there in Westwood. Uh, and really, Cronin's first team last year was headed to the NCAA tournament before the COVID hit. Cronin, by the way, another Patino guy. He worked under Rick Patino at the University of Louisville. Let's go to the Peterbrook Theater Studio Line right now. We've got Corey up with JR on deck. Corey, how you doing on this Wednesday morning?
1: Hey, Travis, how you doing this afternoon?
3: Good, man.
1: i got a quick question for you. How do you think Alabama will be able, so will be able to uh, balance the loss of Bailey Down? And do you think it will be able, still be able to win the SEC with Howard?
3: Yeah, that's tough. I mean, you were already coming into a season without arguably your best positional player uh, in Skylar Wallace moving on to the University of Florida. So uh, yeah, that, that the, the in that vein, uh, along with the injury you had to KB Sides earlier in the season, a couple of injuries that you've had, a couple of three now, you had Claire Jenkins a year ago um, that was dealing with a, a situation of her own after an ACL. It's It's been a rough stretch. So uh, you know, it's it's difficult because it's right up the middle of, of the defense as much as anything. But then what Dowling also gives you uh, at the plate. I mean, you saw that in the Auburn series with the big three-run homer. Um, but uh, it sounds like an injury similar, I guess, to Claire Jenkins a year or two ago, right? And um, you just hate it for her, first and foremost. But there's no doubt. that We talked about it earlier in the season. There's just not... There's not a ton of depth. I, I'm talking about just plug and play type depth that we've seen from Alabama in some years. So it, it's a hit both ways. It's a hit to the middle of your defense, and it's a hit right there in the middle of your lineup. It, it'll be tough. You
1: think this will
3: cost Alabama in the long run? Well, I mean, it can't help. Uh, like I said, I, maybe maybe Murph's got you know uh, a player to stashed away over there that I don't know about that can jump right into that role or into just the spot in the lineup. You know, it's not just that you're losing a middle-of-the-lineup bat and a middle-of-the-infield glove. You're losing a high quality, right? This isn't, you know, a kind of routine play, middle-of-the-infield type player uh, who also, you know, hits eighth, seventh, or eighth in the lineup. I mean, you're, you're losing multiple ways. I, it, it's it's a it's it's really tough, Corey. I don't think there's any doubt about that.
1: What do you see in this Kentucky series this weekend?
3: Well, it becomes even more intriguing now, right? Now you get UNA and A here tonight, right? Which is a good thing. It gives you a chance to get some at bats and some some uh, innings uh, to 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 whoever it is, or maybe it's a combination of people you're going to be looking at to to fill that void. Um, but it's an SEC series on the road, so you know it's not going to be simple. Uh, Kentucky probably not a an upper echelon team when you think about the big picture, but as we both know in this league, it doesn't matter. I mean you go on the you go on the road anywhere in this league, and it, it, this team is still capable of going to Lexington and winning two out of three, or maybe even sweeping the series. But it's also a league in which you could go up there and drop two out of three. I, I, I see them winning at least one. I don't see them getting swept. Um, without Dowling, sweeping Kentucky, I think, becomes a good bit more difficult. Hey, Corey, we got to get on. Appreciate the call. Good talk to you, Travis. Road There he goes, Corey. Yeah, that's some rough news, man. Bailey Dowling, the outstanding freshman infielder for Alabama with a torn eight, uh, MCL and uh, ACL. It appears so. Uh, not good for Alabama softball. Let's go back to the Peterbrook Chocolateeer Studio and check in with Jr. before we head to Cecil Hurt. Jr., how you doing this morning? Hey,
1: Travis. Uh, How's it going? So cool. I'm doing pretty good. Um, but you spoke earlier a little bit about what I was going to ask you, but and I appreciate that. It was more about UCLA matchup with Alabama and. Mm. I, I, to elaborate a little further on that, if you would, um, I really like I said, just uh, I'm more or less wanting to know like the matchup. How how do we look as far as player against player? You know. Uh,
3: yeah, you know, I think where where it gets interesting, and I think on the other side of this for UCLA, it's going to be tough too. Whereas, yes, you do have a true point guard in Campbell. He's also five eleven, and so. You know, other than maybe Quinterly, who is he going to guard? You know, if you've got Herb Jones on the ball at 6'7", or whatever he is in that neighborhood, you know, who is Campbell going to guard when Alabama isn't necessarily big, but certainly bigger in the backcourt with Keon Ellis and and, uh, Petty and also – you know, uh, Herb. So that's going to be interesting. But for Alabama defensively, yeah, I'll be interested to see who Alabama puts on Campbell because he is a, a very effective facilitator and uh, very good on the basketball. You know, doesn't turn it over a ton. Um, so is it Keon Ellis? If it's the same starting five as it was for Maryland, uh, is it Keon Ellis on the ball or is it Herb? Uh, because you also got to account for Johnny Juzang at 6'6", six, six at the guard position. So that's where you're... You kind of need maybe Herb a little bit, too. Petty's got enough size to play kind of either way. And Alabama switches things um, so much. They communicate so well on defense. I think Nate feels like with the type of personnel he has, really other than at the five, they can switch and guard just about any position and any guy they come across.
1: Great. Uh, I I feel like we're going to have a uh, a – successful game, especially, I mean, if they play anything like they did against Maryland, um, it'll be a tough road to hoe for uh, UCLA to pull off a victory over Alabama. So.
3: Yeah, if Alabama makes 16 threes on Sunday night, uh, Gonzaga may be the only team in the country that I've seen that could overcome that, you know, and that's understanding Michigan looked really good down the stretch against LSU a couple nights ago, um, and Baylor's certainly capable. Uh, is a one seed. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that that version, especially on the offensive end of Alabama in that win over Maryland, that's that's the Alabama no one, pretty much no one in this tournament, left in this tournament anyway, wants to see. Well, that's true.
1: Well, all right, appreciate it very much, Travis. You uh, have a great rest of the day, and uh, I'll speak with you again
3: soon. Sounds good. Appreciate the call, JR, and you do the same. We're going to head to a break. and we come back, Cecil Hurt. We'll join the program. We'll talk some Alabama hoops, some Alabama football with Cecil when the show returns right here on Tide 100.9
2: FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's Daily Update on Alabama sports, and it's brought to you by Konecuh Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at KonecuhSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama women's basketball returns to action in the NCAA tournament on Wednesday. The seven-seeded Crimson Tide will face the second-seeded Maryland Terrapins in the second round of the tournament at noon central from San Antonio with radio coverage available across the network. Head coach Christy Curry gives her thoughts heading into the matchup. We feel like we'll draw from our SEC schedule and get ready to play. You know, it's, it's, again, I think it's all about if what we did yesterday still looks big to us today, we hadn't done anything. And, you know, we're going to have to play our best game of the year because it's the next game of the year against a great team, a great program, and a great tradition. And we're just excited to play. I'll have more in a moment. The Crimson Tide's newest partner is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Made in Evergreen, Alabama, Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast, Kaneka Sausage is now a tailgate grilling favorite. Kaneka Sausage, a true southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Alabama men's basketball forward Herbert Jones is one of four players from around the country who has been named as a finalist for the 2021 Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award, the Atlanta Tip-Off Club, announced on Tuesday. Jones is joined by Baylor's Davion Mitchell, USC's Evan Mobley, and Utah State's Nemius Queta as finalist for the fourth annual honor. The winner will be announced during Final Four weekend. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather.
0: A chance of widely scattered showers through tonight. The high today 79, tonight's low 61. Tomorrow, mild and breezy, some morning rain possible. Thunderstorms by afternoon, those storms could be severe with potential for tornadoes. The high at 78. I'm James Pham on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 For more coverage of Alabama football Visit us at Tide100.9.com Or download the free Tide 100.9 app The
2: Crimson Tide
3: with more of a Wednesday edition of Southern Bride Sports right here on side 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Breaking news coming out of Athens, Georgia, and is not good for Kirby Smart and his Bulldogs. UGA just announced that George Pickens, wide receiver, of course, from Hoover High School, originally, Has torn his ACL during spring football. No word yet on exactly when George Pickens will undergo surgery. Now, according to the statement from UGA, the good news is the injury is isolated to the ACL. So no other structural damage, it appears, for George Pickens. But Kirby, man, we talked about it with Brent Beard yesterday. Kirby's been extremely... Extremely happy with his offense so far this spring. And then, unfortunately, for the Dogs, one of its key pieces, although Georgia has developed a couple other receivers, continuing to do that. George Pickens, though, unquestionably the number one in that rotation now with an ACL tear. We're going to head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line as we typically do on Wednesdays. Check in with Cecil Hurt at the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. And Cecil, I guess even from the media perspective with this NCAA tournament and how you go about covering it and maybe shuttling between Indianapolis and back to your, uh, specific work city or town. It's, it's different even that way, I guess, Cecil.
1: Um, it's a long commute
3: from here to, (laughs) uh,
1: but we made it, um, we came back after the game, um, Got back in early in the morning yesterday morning, and, and we'll be back in Indianapolis on Saturday, getting ready for the Sunday game. And of course, even if we were in Indianapolis, not like we have access to the team, everything's done by Zoom, right? Van. So it's um, really not a hardship in that way. You like to be up there with the team. If it were the old format, you know, we, who knows where we'd be going would have had to travel mm-hmm. so, sweet 16 Would be a different city you'd be out of indianapolis or wherever the first and second round was it'd be off uh, in um uh, in san francisco or new york or atlanta you just wouldn't know
3: so cecil here they are the alabama men's team of course we got our eyes on the women's team coming up at the top of the hour as well in round of 32 play against maryland um I guess this is what everyone expected from the second seeded Alabama men's team, but not quite the path, perhaps, with UConn falling to Maryland. Although a seven ten game, you never know. I mean, that's no real surprise eight there. But to get nine, an eleven I don't seed, count
1: eight, nine, seven,
3: yeah, yeah. There's there's not much there, but an eleven seed in UCLA even getting through, it's still UCLA on the jersey. So yeah, you know, still, it's still had they had to play the extra game. They had to play the play
1: Probably probably help yeah. them. You know, got pushed to overtime, but if you survive it, it um, gives you some confidence. And then their, uh, their next two rounds was where I thought did match up for them. Particularly, I believe Christian. I think that would have been a good matchup for anybody.
3: We've been talking a little bit about this matchup for Alabama coming up on Sunday and how UCLA will present more of a defined true point guard. In uh, Campbell on the basketball, whereas that, that wasn't the case a couple of nights ago with Maryland.
1: Right. You, you think of UCLA,
3: and I think some of their fan base thinks of UCLA
1: as, as it's funny if you if you are in Los Angeles and cover some basketball out there and, and or where it's such a Laker town and a Showtime Laker town, you know, Magic and Kobe, and, um, LeBron, and so forth, and UCLA fans aren't accustomed to being 337th in the nation in tempo. Mick Cronin's a, a very familiar <laughs> with that. That's always been his style. But yeah, the, the, as Nate Oates calls it, the uh, you know, point guard with the ball on his hip, you know, getting the offense set up. That's, that's what they like to run. Now, they can certainly shoot the three off of that, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Shoot the three, and then they've got, you know, um, couple of bigs that, that carry some weight down in the block and, and that's the way they want to play, but they'd much rather see it in the and Alabama would much rather see it in the night.
3: Yeah, it's interesting because when you talk about matchups, I think most of the time you're you become transfixed on the defensive side of the team that maybe you're covering or uh, you're a fan of, and so when you look at it from the Alabama perspective, you think, all right, th- there's a 5'11 point guard on the other side. You look at Alabama's backcourt and you know who ends up with that guy, but we talked about this earlier too, something this Alabama team does especially well, and I think it's been a big part of their defensive success, uh, not only from a personnel standpoint being equipped in a way that it can do it, but uh, the way they switch and communicate and you know, they have the kind of guys that can guard different guys in this lineup.
1: They do and and they match up pretty pretty well with Zuzang and Decaz are sort of UCLA's two best players from from that standpoint, you know, six athlete types. Zhang was a reserve at Kentucky last year, didn't play very much. Um probably wish they had him back the way he's been shooting the threes. Um but they're on the court almost all the time for UCLA. And um, Alabama's going to make them defend, make them run, make them, make them you know, really get after it, and and Tiger Campbell as well. You know, you can have to guard Quinterly a little bit. He may have Herb guarding him a little bit, even though he's 5'11". You um, he may see mm-hmm. some of that. So I think Alabama has more lineup versatility than UCLA. That is not meant to say that UCLA doesn't have good players
3: they do. You talk about the challenges that has been not only for Alabama, but just the teams up there in general, especially the ones that have advanced to the 16. That's a lot of time in an isolated area. Um, I don't know. Maybe in some ways they have more access because there's fewer teams now to what is available to the teams. Uh, I think that's you- true a
1: little bit. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I think that... that- I saw Alabama went to the zoo. All the teams went to the zoo. Uh, easier to take 16 teams to the zoo than 64 teams. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, getting out a little bit, getting some fresh air. It's equal for everybody, so it's not a advantage. The The crowd, maybe, if you were to go on and face Michigan, um, you know, I imagine a lot of Michigan fans will try and be there. It's in the, it would be in the bigger arena. Uh, Hinkle has a nice atmosphere I mean, I think Alabama will have more fans at Hinkle than UCLA for sure. So it's a probably in that sense advantageous. They both played at Hinkle. That's part of the assigning of the buildings is that they don't want to give somebody an advantage where they've played in Hinkle or Banker's Life twice when the other team hadn't been there. So, but yeah, you learn to, uh, you under adjust. I think Alabama's guys are pretty close and um, handle it pretty well. Um, so it's uh, really not an event—a plus or a minus—but it is different. You, know, you do have to be, have some mental toughness too, But I think I think at this level, at the Sweet Sixteen level, that's not an issue. I'm Sixteen teams but know that they can advance to the Elite A.
3: I think the ticket man up there, Cecil, has a big Alabama Script A hat on right now, you think?
1: <laughs> I think he likes them. Yeah, I think he likes them. <laughs> there'll be a lot of <laughs> – there'll be some Loyola fans, and there'll be a lot of um, nouveau Loyola fans, if you know what I mean. Um, it's a trendy team, uh, but it's not that far from Chicago. So they'll have they'll have some folks there when they play. Michigan will definitely – as have some folks, again, no Indiana, Purdue, Kentucky, um, Ohio State, Louisville, either didn't get in or didn't get to this round. So, a um, little bit of Midwestern flavor, but not a, not a tremendous amount.
3: Where would you put, and I understand you cover Alabama, you don't get to watch all of the games, all the other teams, but of the point guards that are left in this tournament, where is Javon Quinterly right now, would you think, of those of those guys?
1: Offensively, he's right up at the top, and he's been okay defensively. Um, but, yeah, offensively, again, sub to Gonzaga, probably, yeah, you know, lottery pick. Yeah. And, and just a remarkable freshman, and probably, um, had he gone to a football school, would be their quarterback as well. So um, I would probably put him – sub first I, I don't know that I get much debate on that depends on who you call the point guard at Baylor if you call Jared Butler the point guard uh, I think Jared plays off the ball more than he plays on it um, but obviously he's an all-american and an outstanding player so um, but offensively I think jq has been good as really as good as anybody um, up there so uh, you know, there's some scoring guards, there's some some athletic guards, but as far as just, uh, you know, when he's, I'll say this: if he's 14 and 11, this, I, I think Nate Oates would take that and, and get to the, try try to get to the finals with it.
3: Cecil, could you hear the loud exhale coming from Tuscaloosa all the way up there in Indianapolis when Petty hit some of those threes in the second half against Maryland? <laughs>
1: It was it was great that we were in Bankers Life, and there was there were several pockets of Alabama fans. You know, they weren't as noticeable as they were at Hinkle because of Bankers Life the NBA arena much bigger, but probably thirty, forty, fifty Alabama fans right in front of where my media road seat was. And once Petty hit those two, they came, Alabama came down the court and threw the ball to John. He's thirty five feet away. <laughs> and in unison, like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. All those 35 or 40 Alabama fans in front of me said, pull!
3: Yeah, they were
1: ready to die. Range didn't matter at that point. It just wanted one
3: going up. Oh, Huntsville heat check for John Petty at that point, you know?
1: He can, just go he ahead. can light up.
3: That that one that he got is transitioned transition back.
1: Um, you know, they're running the break. He's the secondary guy. And, um, I think it was Shaq flipped flipped it back to him. That ball was going up. There was no (laughs) question about it, and and they know he's fine with that. Um, So, yeah, Alabama went from a nine point in that flurry where they were hit three. They went from nine up to twenty three up in two minutes and change. From nine to twenty three. Flammable. No doubt. And at nine, Maryland, you know? Maryland has some hope. At 23, they got no hope. No.
3: You know. No, no. No Juan so, Dixon coming off that bench
1: at that point. No, to... and and they were, you know, their guards were good. Uh, every one of the big 10 teams that I've either seen or noticed, in, and I have not watched a whole lot of Michigan, so I'm going to exclude them from this blanket statement. Uh, really good big. You know, really good
3: inside.
1: Not the kind of quickness that you see
3: in the SEC. Right. Well, and you I got just, 40. Just, if you're Maryland, you got 40 from your two guards, and you still lost by 19. I yeah, mean, yeah. That's but, tough, but again,
1: you know. Just not, just not quick guys defensively. No. You, could, you did get 40. You also couldn't stay in front <laughs> of an yeah. and, and that's you just, true.
3: Oh, the that so, clock broke on you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so now UCLA um, probably do a little better job of that. And um, again, they'll try and uh, tempo it down as much as they can. But but the, the thing about UCLA, the, the other Pac 12 teams um, have played really well. And so you look at them in the 20 and 9, and, um, but maybe that and their seeding, that being the 11th seed, was was a little bit more of a function of being in a tough league than people wanted to give credit, including me, people wanted to give credit
3: for. Let's talk a little football as we get out of here with you, Cecil, on a Wednesday. And obviously the big news over the last 24 hours, the departure of Jay Graham, the recently hired tight ends and special teams coach, the athletic, uh, had the sort of first word of that potential Yesterday, I guess it was, and then you and uh, a lot of others followed with the uh, report from UA itself that, in fact, Jay Graham has left the program. Um, Cecil, what were your initial thoughts on that?
1: Um, Well, like like anybody would be, I was surprised at the timing, but I don't know the circumstances. I'm not going to sit here and speculate. It may have been a decision that Jay Graham made for himself, or it may have been Mm -hmm. circumstances beyond his control um, but all I know is the statement which says he resigned so um, I, I think beyond that Nick, Nick saban has got a, he's got a post-practice zoom today't is that right I think that's right yep him. he does not knowing what not knowing what day it is makes it difficult I <laughs> know exactly that but I try and update the calendar every couple of hours'm so gonna watch the women here and move back to football and basketball and then basketball um I don't know what Coach Saban will have to say about it, um, if anything. So but until he does, I don't think we're
3: gonna have to.
1: I think we'll have speculation but not information.
3: So. There you go. There you go. Um another crop of NFL players headed to the NF uh of Alabama players headed to the NFL. Uh pro day yesterday over at uh Hank Crispendorf facility, and seems like we had the conversation every year, Cecil. Is this going to be the class that puts six in the first round and maybe more and matches or surpasses uh, the University of Miami for a, a single-year haul of first-rounders?
1: Yeah, I, I think Barmore did what he needed to do um, athletically. Uh, he's one of those guys that, that probably is first. Uh, the FC Naji didn't work out yesterday. I guess he's going to work out at the next one. Um, but might be first. Sertan, I, I never had any questions. That Sertan was first, obviously. But, um, he locked it down. I mean, locked it down tight with that forty times. Um, you know, Waddle, Devontae. I thought Mac did sign. A lot of speculation about Mac. It's, this ball or that ball. And I understand that you have to hyper analyze a quarterback if you're going that route in the draft. But he's, he's obviously a first rounder. Um, a lot of positives from Alex Leatherwood and Landon Dickerson, even though Landon didn't work out. But, you know, he, he's out there. And, and I, I think teams who meet him and, and get to know his personality, they can see the tape and yeah, get to know him. Um, I think if Landon was 100%. Clean health wise, didn't have the knee. He would be a possible first rounder too, depending on a team needing that interior offensive line guy. So, um, yeah, I mean it's still going to be interesting who will be the first one, and where they'll go, and then the total number. But uh, I I didn't feel like anybody that's got a first round chance damaged their chances yesterday by any stretch.
3: Yeah, the wide receivers, the two wide receivers could be very similar to Ruggs and Judy from last year, right? It's kind of like, do you want a BMW or do you want a Mercedes? Yeah, and in that probably 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 range, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Devontae may
1: tempt somebody a little higher than that. Um, And again, I think Sertan, you know, he's solid as can be in the top you know probably higher than that that's the absolute floor for him um, Barmore you know Christian Christian is I mean I think teams who draft Christian know that it might not be next year you know he might take right. you around but um, he's that commodity that, that guy that's going to be 320 and running a sub five uh, and you don't. If you if you wait around and pick, try to get those guys in free agency, you're going to, to pay a lot more than you'd be paying if Christian. You. So
3: a lot easier yeah, to dismiss, rare, like uh, yeah, a lot easier to dismiss interior offensive linemen than it is interior defensive linemen, right? I think so. Because defensive, you'll step good. out there for a defensive tackle that has yeah, boom there, potential. There's not, as
1: you can see, this year, and this will be true next year and the year after. There's not eight or ten of those guys in the draft. No. Just say, I'll just, I'll just wait to the second round. And say, yeah, oh, we're you're not going to get that guy. He's <laughs> not going to be there.
3: No doubt about it. Well, Cecil, we always appreciate the time. I know you're extremely busy, and uh, great stuff as always. Great stuff there with the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. Safe travels back up to Indianapolis, Cecil.
1: Thank you. Thank you for calling me because it let me know it was Wednesday and I needed that. But we'll be watching uh, Christy Curry and the, and the
3: women. Absolutely. Look forward to that coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, that Maryland team averages a little more than 91 a game. so uh, That's a, it's gonna... a, it's, As you know, seedings in the women's tournament
1: are different than seedings.
3: In the men's. Absolutely. They usually play to form. A lot right. better chance of going to chalk.
1: Especially especially game. on the one and two line. Exactly. Those, those top, the top eight, top ten, they don't get knocked off. It, no. it can happen,
3: but it doesn't happen a lot. Maryland's a two seed and won its first round game by 53 points. Put yeah. it that way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hey, Cecil, take care, man. All right. Thanks. There he goes. The great Cecil Hurt on a Wednesday edition southern fried sports this is a varsity program by the way it always is you know like we tell you welcome to the big leagues first time you tune in but it's especially varsity on this wednesday because we're going to come back with uh chase goodbread of nfl.com in just a little bit we'll get some extended thoughts from chase on the pro day that took place over at alabama yesterday Uh, alabama baseball by the way it's a tough week schedule wise for the Crimson Tide, you had Southern Miss in here. What turned out to be a night game we had some delays over there at the Joe. Alabama drops a close one to U.S.M. five to four, and it doesn't get any easier. Starting tomorrow, you got a Thursday through Saturday series with number four Ole Miss in here for three games. Ole Miss seventeen and four, three and zero oh in the SEC after a sweep of Auburn last weekend. Only one true road game for Ole Miss baseball so far this season, and that was a thirteen to one loss at Louisiana Tech last Tuesday. Of course, Ole Miss, you got John Rice Plumley running around in the outfield during baseball season for the Rebels. The two-sport standout, John Rice Plumley, Jerry and Ely, the running back for Ole Miss, he's also a baseball guy. But uh, from what I understand, he's out for the spring after undergoing football-related. Shoulder surgery in the off season for football, but uh, tough four game stretch. Doesn't get any easier. I mean, we know that. Just like in softball, you know, we talked about that with Corey earlier in the show. You got Alabama softball with UNA in town tonight. Should be a nice night for some softball. See how Alabama continues to adjust to that very significant injury to Bailey Dowling before heading to Lexington to take on Kentucky in a Saturday-to-Monday series. so You're going to have Alabama baseball and Alabama softball spanning Thursday-to-Monday coming up over the next five days. We're going to head to a break, and we come back. Chase Goodbread, maybe his big green egg will make the show menu coming up. We'll see what Goodbread's had going on the green egg. Goodbread's green egg. I like that. We'll do that with Chase. When Southern Fried Sports returns right after this,
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather.
3: A chance of widely
0: scattered showers through tonight. The high today is 79, tonight's low 61. Tomorrow, mild and breezy, some morning rain possible. Thunderstorms by afternoon, those storms could be severe with potential for tornadoes. The high at 78. I'm James Pham on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Kalen dropped 5150 50 on this day back in 1986. Senior in high school, T.R. How about that? Winding it down at Edward H. White High School on the west side of Jacksonville, Florida. And this one also signaled the start of Van Hagar. Still not sure how I feel about that. But uh, I can't say they didn't sell a ton of these, man. They sold a ton of these, 5150 copies. I think we were still maybe cassettes. I don't know if we were into CDs quite by that point. I have to ask Chase Goodbread about that. Chase Goodbread, of course, of NFL.com. Also, my co-host there on the Talking Tide podcast. Van Hagar, good bread. I know you consider yourself kind of a Van Halen aficionado. Did you have this one?
4: Uh, to, to be accurate, I was a DLR era Van Halen aficionado. <laughs> uh, the boys <laughs> left me behind. I, when, when 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 they got rid of DLR, they brought in Sammy Hagar, I got on the dinghy, you know, and, and uh, swam to shore. So, done with it. What about done the synthesizers?
3: Eddie he was bringing in the synthesizers, you
4: know. Yeah, he was, he yeah.
3: Started I, on, he started it on 1984, and then once he got rid of DLR, he just went full synthesizers, you know.
4: Well, the the, the day that the night that Jump premiered on MTV it was the first time that song had ever been heard anywhere. They had they put the MTV video out before it was out anywhere on a record or anything else. There's a lot of hype for it at the time. I can remember sitting on my living room floor. And, uh, uh, they, they, they start in on that, they start in on that, on that video. And the first thing I see Keywords, is Eddie Van Halen hitting on them keyboards and, uh, I, I damn near vomited, you know, right there. So. It,
3: they couldn't save you with Panama and hot for teacher. They tried to save you. Yeah. You know, they yeah, with it, Panama and hot for teacher on, on 1984.
4: They did. They did. It, it was kind of a, it, it was kind of a, uh. A signal, right? That things Mm -hmm. were changing in that band. And I I didn't like it a whole lot. I I grew to like Diver Down. um, I grew to like uh, 1984. But I Mm -hmm. couldn't grow to like Van Hagar. There you go. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I, I, I struggled with that one. And like I said, they sold tens of millions of records. So you can't argue with it. A lot of people dug it. But I think at the time this dropped, it really it really cast a shadow over the finish of my senior year in high school. It kind of sent it into a spiral, you know? Yeah. It wasn't the <laughs> it wasn't the explosive sort of exuberance that I was anticipating there as a senior. And uh of course Chase Goodbread was right there in Jacksonville, Florida too. Nineteen eighty six, you were were you a young lad at Bishop? B? Uh Catholic? 86. Was that where you were?
4: 889, uh, I would have been, uh, in a the frost, fall of 86, maybe. I would have been a sophomore. Yeah, I graduated spring yeah, 89, yeah. so I guess fall yeah. of 86 was, uh, I was a yeah. uh, skinny yeah. sophomore, about 140 <laughs> pounds maybe, you know, just, just, uh, nothing but a, DB. nothing but a daggum yeah. practice dummy out there.
3: Held a lot of bags, yeah. Travis, held a lot of bags. Yeah. He was a DB for the Crusaders of Bishop <laughs> Kenny High School. Down there on the banks of the St. Johns River. That's where the rich kids went, by the way. You know, I was over there on the hard scrabble uh, streets of the West Side. All the rich kids were over there at Bishop Kenny and Bowles. You know, those were the two well-to-do schools. That's where the the kids with futures went to school. You know, the rest yeah. of us, we went to places like Ed White, Robert E. Lee, and and Sandalwood. You know, that was kind yeah. of our it's kind of our destinies.
4: You, you you wouldn't know that by the vehicle in my parking spot.
3: Say that. <laughs> Well, you went the journalism route, you know, everything was great. And then you went, Jay, hey, uh, (laughs) let's talk some journalism as it relates to NFL pro days and specifically one at the University of Alabama yesterday. Um, All things considered, I guess, from an overview perspective, Chase, did that sort of did that sort of play out the way you expected in terms of participants and then from uh, an angle of of how those guys actually performed?
4: You kind of, it kind of did. And I, I kind of felt like we'd see more guys do more things for reasons you and I discussed on the Talking Tide podcast a little bit earlier in the week. And I, I figured that the absence of a combine might compel some of Alabama's top draft prospects to do a little bit more. And it really didn't happen. At the end of the day, we, we saw Patrick Sertain give. NFL clubs a complete and full workout. So there, it probably starts with that. And, and, Mac Jones, of course, headlining things with, with a throwing session. Uh, you had Christian Barmore give, um, give him something, you know, gave him a, gave him a 40, uh, gave him position drills, uh, gave him the three cone, the short shuttle. Uh, he skipped a couple things. I think Barmore skipped the, uh, jumping events, the broad and the vert, uh, but, you know, beyond that, it was, it was, uh, you know, mostly down the line, you know, undrafted free agent type guys doing, uh, workouts. Now they were around Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, uh, all that Najee Harris, all there and present and accounted for. I'm sure they were all interviewing with clubs. Uh, but I did think we'd see a little bit more activity from those guys. However, you know, the chatter is that, that the second pro day coming up on March 30th, uh, might be, uh, might have a little bit more activity than it normally does. Usually that second pro day, Travis, is, is really almost like a makeup for somebody who uh, is trying to squeeze in an extra week of rehab on an injury or something of the like, and, and most guys uh, don't participate in that second pro day much at all. I'm hearing there might be a, a little bit more excitement going on for that second pro day. Heard a little chatter that Jalen Waddle might run routes for Mac Jones, emphasis on might uh, for that one. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see, and 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 maybe some of the things that I was expecting to see yesterday, uh, we'll will you know we'll see on the
3: thirtieth. What about Dylan Moses? Pretty amazing, isn't it? How in a year this is a guy who went from having a decision to make, even after missing a season, missing a campaign due to a knee injury, um, to being a starter in 2020 on a national championship team and uh, just don't hear a lot about Dylan Moses. And we talk about injuries and trying to wait until, as long as you possibly can to kind of put it out there. Is is he kind of one of those guys you think, too? I mean, obviously the knee was still an issue for him during, and, and he had some other stuff, I think, going on. Uh, last season,
4: I think the knee definitely is is something that's kind of driving the fact that Dylan Moses isn't being mentioned as as, as prominently as some of these other prospects. Yeah, uh, w- which doesn't mean he doesn't have a fine pro career ahead of him. Uh, but he wasn't able to show he wasn't able to show NFL scouts in twenty twenty uh, as much as he was able to show them in eighteen. Right, so uh, that's that's a factor for sure and and really when i when i look at that situation it reminds me of well by by way of contrast cuz it's it's not similar but it reminds me of dante hightower in, in this sense when dante mm-hmm. hightower blew out his knee for for alabama i want to say that was 08 i think he missed 09 i might have it I might be a year off by that on that but he came back and played two years at alabama post injury not one and he was an average linebacker uh, first year post-injury. Was mm-hmm. not the same player at all. Was not himself. Comes back for another year after that and looked like the Dante Hightower of old and got drafted like it. Well, yeah. Dylan Moses, yeah, D- Dylan Moses is, is uh, uh, he ain't going to get that second year in college post-injury. Uh, which, you know, might benefit him. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's unfortunate that uh, that he won't get maybe a second year to show scouts what he can do. But, hey, uh, if, if if his knee responds uh, as well as Hightower's did in year two after the injury, then he could be looking at an, an impressive rookie year.
3: Yeah, and a lot of value for a team that maybe has the foresight to make that call. Hey, Chase, thanks for the heads up, man. We always appreciate you here on the show. There he goes. Chase Goodbread. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. The lunch whistle today. Southern Alehouse, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. North, get by there for lunch. Get by there for dinner. Happy hour coming up later this afternoon. Southern Alehouse. For Jacob Harrison, Chase Goodbread, Cecil Hurd. Until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.